In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So God willing, today we're going to continue the series uh, about the Holy Scriptures that we have uh, been talking about now for the past few weeks. Um, so far we've discussed the um, infall the infallibility, sorry, today we're going to discuss the infallibility, infallibility of the Bible. Um, previously we have spoken about topics as in the authenticity, how do we have um, all the manuscripts and everything that we have about the Bible, how consistent they are with one another. We've also spoken a lot about um, fulfillment of scriptures, scriptures that were in the Old Testament that pointed to um, the Messiah um, and other events and how that was fulfilled. And we spoke about how it was written over such a long period of time um, by so many different people that it would be impossible for this to be fabricated, right? It would be impossible for someone to like make it all up and have it all fit together when it was written over such uh, a long period of time. Today we're going to speak about the infallibility of the Bible because we believe that the Bible is written by the Holy Spirit. Even though um, there are specific authors of the different books, but we believe that the Holy Spirit inspired the authors to write what is always the truth. Not only what is the truth, but what is necessary and beneficial for salvation. Which is why like the scriptures are not, even though they mention things that one could consider to be scientific, or could be considered historical, or considered to be poetic, or considered to be all kinds of different things. But the purpose of the Bible, and what is it that was written, and what is it that was not written, is for the purpose of focusing on the salvation of mankind. So that's why the, in the scripture you won't find every single historical detail about an event, right? And it's not necessarily using the most specific language to try to accurately describe something, because the focus is not about those things. Yes, we read those things and we try to gain understanding with those things, but the purpose of the Bible is not to describe history, but the purpose is to um, provide and, 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 and illuminate the way of salvation and how God has been working for the salvation of all of mankind all throughout history. So um, for that reason, uh, we believe that the Holy Spirit written by the Holy Spirit, the, the Holy Bible written by the Holy Spirit, it's specific for that purpose. And because it's written by the Holy Spirit, who is God, then that means it must be perfect, right? It must be perfect. If God does something, it is perfect. Can, it is without flaw or error. Um, so if we believe that th the Holy Spirit truly is the author of the Scripture, then we believe that the Scripture is um, infallible. The Lord Jesus Christ himself <coughs> spoke about the authority of the Scripture and the inspiration of the Scripture. In John 5, 39, Christ said, You search the Scriptures... For in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. Right? The scriptures are those which testify of Christ. The scriptures have authority, and Christ acknowledged that authority. Um, Jesus answered, uh, in another verse, that Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said you are gods? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming, because I said I am the Son of God? So he says here this, this statement, the scripture cannot be broken. So he's saying everything that is written in the scripture, even if it is difficult to understand, even if it's maybe contrary to what we might think, whatever is written in the scripture is the truth. This is why the priest, whenever we are praying the litany of the gospel, he comes and he puts the gospel over his head, to indicate that the scripture is above us. The scripture is what judges us, 
we do not judge the scripture. The scripture cannot be broken. So here Christ is making it very clear. Here, of course, he's referring to the Old Testament scripture because he's speaking about the scriptures that existed at the time when he was alive on earth, right? And at that time, when he was alive on earth, the New Testament had not yet been compiled um, or written, right? Uh, but, but he's saying the scriptures of God, the Old Testament scriptures, cannot be broken. They are perfect, right? There is nothing uh, fallible about them. Also, St. Paul, speaking about the scriptures, he says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness. Right. So again, the scripture is given by inspiration of God. How is it that we as Christians know what we should believe and how we should live? Well, we look to the scriptures. And why is the scripture authoritative? Because it comes from God and not from man. If you think about like the way that people nowadays, they try to decide how they want to live. Uh, people might look to different philosophies or philosophers or different influencers or different people who are like, you know, popular or, 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 or come up with trends. And, you know, people have all types of ideas, right? We as Christians, where do we get our ideas? Where do we get our philosophy of life, our worldview? We get it from the scripture, right? Because it is inspired by God and he is intending it for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction, right? That is, that is why we, we, we revere it so much, because it is our handbook, our guidebook for life. Um, also, in St. Peter, uh, speaking uh, here in his Catholic epistle, he says, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So this describes this inspiration. What is the inspiration, right? No prophecy is any of any private interpretation. What does that mean? It means that no individual person can look at the prophecy and decide for themselves what it means. There is an intended meaning of the scripture. There is, there is a way that as a church, as a whole, as we understand the scripture and understand what is it that God has said, and this is something that was delivered to the church, and this is why we f have such a big emphasis on the church, on the holy tradition, because the tradition is the way that we understand the scripture, the way that the scripture is lived out in the daily practice and the practice of the church and the very from the very beginning. So the way that the church as a whole understood scripture, okay, no prophecy is of private interpretation. Private meaning like individual, right? There is no, that's why a person cannot come now and say, oh, I have unlocked the true meaning of such and such. Well, that's a private interpretation. That's you with your cleverness trying to figure out what something really means, contrary to how the church has always understood it, meaning from the beginning through the holy tradition. That is private interpretation. Prophecy never came by the will of man, meaning the prophecy is not the man-made words. It is not the mind of a man that he writes down his own thoughts. Actually, the prophets oftentimes didn't even understand what is it that they were writing. They didn't understand what the meaning of it was. Right? How how was this truly like representative re representative of of the prophecy of the Messiah of some future event that was going to come? What does this even mean? Right? If you look in the the book of Revelation, as Saint John is writing the prophecy of the Revelation, he did not comprehend all of these things that he saw. He wrote them down. He wrote down the words, but he, he didn't necessarily understand. Like it wasn't something that was coming from him. It was something that was coming from God, and either the author himself was like a recipient of it, right? Was 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 seeing it and trying to understand it.
themselves. But holy men of God spoke as they were moved, right, by the Holy Spirit. So this is the way that God chose to deliver his word to us. He did it through people, right? He did it through people. He didn't just say, here is a book that came down from heaven. And we mentioned before about how if the Bible came down that way and one person came and said, oh, well, this book came down from heaven and it's got all the truth in it. Well, it would be very easy for someone to, to claim that it was fabricated. It's like, well, you, you know, who else saw this? You know, that this book came down from heaven and this is the truth. We mentioned about, for instance, like in the, in the Mormon church, <coughs> how their, their teachings essentially came this way um, to one person. And then that person claims that they understood it and transcribed it and translated it. And here's what it says. And everyone who believes that religion believes that one person who claims that this is what he saw and this is what, what, what happened. Whereas in Christianity, again, it's something that is delivered to us over a long period of time from many, many different authors. And they all mesh together. They all um, like harmonize together in meaning and understanding. So, again, we believe that the scripture is delivered to us as the church through human beings but it is the voice of god speaking okay also we said that this voice is not necessarily like an audible voice and that the 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 the, the writers are just kind of transcribing a voice like a voice of god no said so like the, the 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 god inspires the mind of these writers so that what they write is without error but that doesn't negate the personality it doesn't negate their part in the writing. So, for instance, when you look at the style of writing of St. Paul, for instance, and you look at the style of writing of St. John and the style of writing of St. Peter, you see that there are different styles, right? So if, if it was directly the voice of God dictating to these men what to write, then you would expect that there is no different styles. It, was just, it would just be one way, right? But the fact that you can look at something and say, oh, this sounds like the style of St. Paul, and this sounds like the style of St. John. It means that the human beings participated with their minds and, 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 and writing from their will, right? But the words that they wrote, right, were without error and were, were inspired by um, the Holy Spirit. Also, we see how the Lord Jesus Christ indicates that the scripture is authoritative. When he was speaking to the Sadducees about the idea of the resurrection, the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. Um, so he says, so it says, Jesus answered and said to them, you are mistaken, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. So he's saying the reason you are wrong about your argument, Sadducees, that the resurrection is not real is because you don't understand the scriptures. So if you understood the scriptures, then you would also come to the right conclusion. Right. So, you know, you, you might have some people who don't even read the scriptures. Or you might have some people who read the scriptures, but they pick and choose what they like from it because they, they, they prefer one thing or the other. Or you might have some people who read the scriptures, but they believe the scriptures have errors. So if, if the scripture has errors, then I can very easily substitute my own understanding, my own interpretation for anything that's written in the scriptures. right? Or maybe someone reads the scriptures, but they don't understand what it's saying. And so they misunderstand, misinterpret what is being said. right? So there's many different ways that someone could perhaps come to the wrong conclusion about something but to get to the right conclusion and here as christ is indicating if you want to f know the right answer about something you read the scriptures and you understand it properly and then you will have the right understanding you are mistaken 
not knowing the scriptures. If you read the scriptures well and you understood them, you will know what it says about the resurrection. The scriptures declare that there is the invisible and eternal and the things that human beings cannot know, right? So there is a whole, um, the, 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 the idea of the resurrection is something maybe that's difficult for human beings to understand, but it's something that's very clearly laid out in scripture. If somebody were to read it, they would know that um, it speaks about it. Um, also, one of the important principles of scripture is that prophecy must be fulfilled, okay? When he is speaking to the disciples about the plan of salvation of God and the fulfillment of that plan, he says, or do you think that I cannot now pray to my father and he will provide for me with more than 12 legions of angels? How then could the scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen thus, right? He's, he's speaking actually ab about like in his resurrection. You know, like, is it possible for him to save himself? Of course, um, during, sorry, in the crucifixion. Of course it's possible for him to save himself. He says, could I, could I not have asked for 12 legions of angels? But so that scripture is fulfilled, the fulfillment of scripture is that he is the Lamb of God who must die for the sins of the world, right? This fulfillment of the scripture is him dying on the cross. So I am, I must go through with, with the cross. I must go through with the crucifixion for the fulfillment of scripture. So Christ even saw his own life as being part of that narrative of prophecy, part of the scriptures, right? His own life was part of the scriptures because he was a fulfillment of scripture and everything that was written about him, he is fulfilling in his own life, right? So again, scripture is, must come to pass. Yes. I don't know. A legion of angels? I don't, I don't know what a legion of angels would be in terms of number. I'm not sure what he was. I don't know. M maybe, I don't know. <laughs> um, also, um, the Holy Spirit speaks through Scripture. So uh, after the crucifixion, um, the Lord appeared to two disciples that were walking on the road. And at the time, his identity was hidden from them. So they couldn't know that this was Christ um, and that he was resurrected. Okay, um, And so they later on, when they realized that this was him, they said, um, they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? What does it mean that their heart burned? It means that the Holy Spirit was communicating to them as they read the scripture, right? And so this is why we say that this, the, 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 the Holy Scriptures, it's a living book. It's not just words on a page, but it is the means of communication from God to us that when we read it, it is a, it is a channel that God can speak to us about our specific situation through the scriptures, okay? Through the scriptures. And this is what they're describing. He's like here, when, when the Lord opened the scriptures and he was reading, it's like the Holy Spirit was talking to them, making them be confirmed in the truth of what he was saying, right? The truth of what he was saying and the truth of the fulfillment, his fulfillment of the prophecies regarding um, the Messiah. There are some examples of direct revelation. Direct revelation is where the Lord speaks to a prophet directly, okay? Like in an audible voice. We see many examples of this. 
Again, Exodus 13, 1 says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, right? Or Leviticus 4, 1, Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, or Numbers 4, 1, Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, There are about 3,800 times that these types of statements appear in the Scripture, right? So one way that the prophecies were written, one way that the prophets wrote the words of God was directly by just essentially whenever God spoke to them, they would write down those words. That is considered a direct revelation. Um, other times, God would tell them to write certain things. Okay? In Exodus 17, 14, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book, and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly brought out, uh, blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Okay? So again, here God is telling the prophet, write down certain things. Write down an account. Like For instance, in the book of Revelation, um, St. John was told to write down everything that he saw. Okay? And there was actually some things he was told not to write. Okay? So, so God is interested in, in recording certain events and certain things that, uh, that have been said for the purpose of the believers so that we would read it and understand and gain insight um, and understanding and how to live. So all of those things are primarily we're focusing on like the Old Testament scriptures. What about the New Testament? So also the New Testament writers, they also wrote the words of God. In 1 Corinthians 14, it says, If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. St. Paul, in defending his apostleship, in telling the people that he is truly an apostle of Christ and that he was called as an apostle and that his words are authoritative and carry the weight of the commandments of God, he is saying, the things that I am writing to you, the things that I'm telling to you are the commandments of God. Right? So he didn't make a distinction between his writings and God's words. What I am writing to you is God's words. Okay? Um, also in the book of Revelation, um, to St. John, he said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches, which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Right? So these seven churches were churches that um, God was rebuking. He was telling them that there was something about the way that they are living that, that they need to correct. Okay? And so he's telling St. John, who is writing these rebukes down in the book of Revelation, right, so that he could record the words of God and that these words could then be delivered to these seven churches. So he's saying what you see, write in a book, right, all, and all the revelation itself, write down in a book and then distribute it, right, to these seven churches. So also in the New Testament, they are writing the words of God. First Thessalonians chapter 2 says, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. So again, St. Paul is saying, the words that we wrote to you are what? The word of God. He didn't make a distinction. He didn't just say, these are my suggestions, or these are my commandments, or these are what, what I as the bishop or the apostle am telling you to do. He's saying, these are the words of God, right? This is what God is telling you to do. In Galatians chapter 1, 
But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. How could that be if, if, if these words were not the words of God? Even an angel cannot speak against them, right? They are writing the commandments of God to the people in written form. The biblical doctrine of inspiration. So how do we understand when we say that the Bible is inspired, right, by the Holy Spirit? How do we understand what that inspiration means? What do we mean when we say inspiration? Because sometimes we use the word inspiration in common language to mean different things. Like we can say, you know what? It's like after I listened to that sermon, I was inspired, right? What do we mean when we say inspired? Well, in that context, we, we mean like motivated, encouraged, uh, you, you know, like, like I, I'm filled with zeal, the inspiration to do a good job, like I'm dedicated and committed. That's what we mean when we say inspiration in that context. But the word inspiration here, when it comes to biblical inspiration, means something completely different. Okay, It doesn't mean inspiration as in I'm now committed and dedicated. It means, um, it, it means the supernatural action of the Holy Spirit on the mind of the sacred writers, whereby the scriptures were not merely their own, but the word of God. It is, the, it, is the, it is the action of the Holy Spirit. The inspiration is the action of the Holy Spirit that guards these writers from error. The Holy Spirit guided the writers making use of their unique personalities. As we said, all the different writers have their own personalities and style. They wrote all that he wanted them to write without excess, omission, or error. So they wrote what was needed to be written. They didn't write too much, including unnecessary information. They didn't write too little, omitting important information. And whatever they wrote was without error. That's what we mean when we say that the Holy Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit. The inspired writings are perfectly divine and perfectly human, infallibly authoritative because they are all God-breathed, intelligible because written in the language of men. Right? So they are, they are, they are the, the work of God and man together. And so many of the things that we see in the way that God works in the world are uh, not, not that God works independently of man, but that God works with man, that we and God together are working as one, and that our efforts and God's efforts are, um, are coming together to produce something. And this is what the, the Bible is. It's written by human beings, but it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. Inspiration is inexplicable. It is the operation of the Holy Spirit. In spite of all what we have said about the nature of inspiration, we do not know exactly how that power of the Holy Spirit operates. We are not trying to describe the exact means by which this inspiration takes place. We, we don't know. We don't understand how is it that God inspires. All we know is that the outcome of it is that whatever is written is, is exactly what God intended for us and that is useful not just for that author or just for the church perhaps, or the people that it was being written to, but it is useful for the entire church throughout all generations. And that's really the point. God is writing something for us so that we can all benefit from it for years and years later. This is why, you know, all of these letters, like Corinthians and Thessalonians and Ephesians, and all these letters were written by an apostle to a specific church. It would be like Bishop Yusuf sending an email probably that would be the way now, um, to St. Paul congregation based on some things that he's heard about um, that, we, that need to be addressed in our church, right? That's what these letters were. They were written to a specific church. But then it was determined 
by the church later on that this letter was not just a letter that you know was 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 beneficial for this one church but it is the words of god for all the church so they took all of these letters that that the church said were inspired by the holy spirit and they put them together and that's why we have the bible today in addition to the old testament scriptures right that's that's what the bible is right it is the letters of the apostles to the churches how is it that the Holy Spirit inspired St. Paul when he was writing to the Corinthians so that every word that he wrote was the commandment of God? We, we, we don't have an answer to that. But we believe that, that, in, that in, in those specific situations, it was. Now, there are other letters that we believe are still authoritative. They still are filled with the truth and not necessarily have errors in them, but were not inspired by the Holy Spirit. So just like, for instance... Um, Bishop Yusuf can give a sermon, right, about something. We can't point, point to anything in the sermon and say, oh, well, that was wrong. It's not like there's anything wrong in it. But at the same time, we don't say that that sermon was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Yes, the Holy Spirit is present when we are, um, you know, when we are teaching. Um, the Holy Spirit is with us even now in the church. The Holy Spirit is guiding us. But the inspiration, the concept of inspiration is not the same as simply the presence of God with us. The inspiration is a very specific action whereby the Holy Spirit essentially allows a person to produce this letter, this document that is, that is intended by God for the edification of the whole church and it is without error and is perfect, right? We can't say that about anything else. We can't say that about any letter that people write, even if it is good and even if it doesn't have any mistakes in it, it is still the work of man. It, it, is, not, it is not purely the Holy Spirit is coming as the author of, of a book like that. Inspiration is limited to the authors of the Bible, right? So other books are not inspired in the same sense. A book composed from merely human resources alone would not become an inspired text, even if approved by the church. I mean, there are many books that are approved by the church, but we don't consider them to be inspired. We still read them, and they're still beneficial for us, but we don't call them to be inspired books. And different churches have different opinions about some books' uh, inspiration. So, for instance, in the Ethiopian Orthodox Church, they consider that the book of Enoch is uh, inspired. So they consider it part of their biblical canon. It's part of their Bible. Um, other Orthodox churches, like the Coptic Church, we don't consider the Book of Enoch to be inspired. And one of the reasons is that we, that, that there's a part that we believe is is contradictory to Scripture in it. I, I can't remember the, the exact verse. Um, but that doesn't mean that the rest of the book, we don't find it to be useful to read, and that has important information and truths in it, right? But we don't consider it to be without error or without flaw or inspired by the Holy Spirit. This approval might make the truth contained in the book credible as if it were an article of divine faith, but it would not give a divine origin to the book itself. Right? So if there is a book that is, has truth and useful information in it, it is credible, it is an article of divine faith, but it doesn't have a divine origin. Right? It doesn't have a divine origin. Inspiration is essentially guidance. The Holy Spirit elevated and directed the faculties of the sacred writers and supervised the selection of the materials to be used and the words to be employed in writing. Right. So the Holy Spirit is guiding the these writers to uh, write what is necessary and edifying for the church. The Holy Spirit 
preserved the sacred writers from all error and from all omission. The words are the words of God, with God as the divine author. Thus, they are without flaw and complete. They focused on the message that God chose to deliver and did not include unnecessary details, even those that pique the curiosity of man. You know, there's so many things that we wish we knew that we don't know. You know, like we wish we knew more details about the Garden of Eden. Exactly what did it look like? You know, how long were Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden? You know, like, like were they there for a week? Were they there for a year? How, how long were they there? Um, you know, what are some of the other conversations that happened between Adam and Eve there? What, what were the conversations that happened between them and God during the time of the Garden of Eden? For instance, it says that Adam went and he named all of the animals. Well, how did that happen? You know, like did every animal come up to him and he said, I call you this. I don't know. Like there's all kinds of questions that maybe would come to the mind, right? They would be like, I wish, I wish we knew that was a kind of an interesting question. But those answers to those questions that God did not deem to be necessary for our salvation are just left silent. Like that's not the purpose of the book. The purpose is not to um, answer every possible question that we have or give a very detailed account of every detail of, of an event or something that happened right the, there is a specific goal and in the book of genesis in that part the goal was to describe the creation of god the fall of man right the beginnings of the plan of salvation and these details are mentioned so that we can have a sense of it but not so that it, we have an exhaustive answer for every question so you know if 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 this was something that was written purely by by a human being maybe they would have considered to add more details um but but there were not Inspiration of scripture is absolute and verbal. What does that mean? Inspiration extends to the words, not merely to the thoughts. Right? So the way that, that the words are being expressed is also inspired. It is absolute because the inspiration is entire and without restrictions. It includes all and every scripture. All that we consider to be scripture is inspired. Even the things that are not necessarily specific to salvation. For instance, like when it says, and the disciples travel to such a city. Okay, well, th that really has nothing to do with, with, with salvation. has nothing to do with, like, you know, a, a, really anything that, that, like, that we need to know essentially for our life. But we still believe, because the whole scripture is the word of God, that even these statements are true. Okay? Um, in 1 Corinthians 2.13, it says, These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So it was very clear, whether it's coming through the Lord Jesus Christ or coming through the apostles, here St. Paul, that the words that they are speaking were considered to be the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, the teachings of the Holy Spirit, not just their own words. Another example of this is Caiaphas. Caiaphas was a high priest, okay? He was Jewish. Caiaphas is an example showing that the words were sanctioned as divinely inspired. He was given through his office as the high priest of Israel the authority to speak prophetically, while he himself did not know the deep significance of his own words when he said the following, okay? It says, and one of them, Caiaphas, being high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all. Nor do you consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and not that the whole nation should perish. Now this he did not say on his own authority. But being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation and not for the nation only, but also that he would gather together in one the children of God who were scattered abroad. So what does it mean? This Jewish high priest 
even as he said these words, you know nothing at all, nor do you know considered expedient, that even these words as he spoke them, it says about them, he did not say this on his own authority, but he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. And this prophecy was not that he knew he was prophesying. It was that the words that he was saying were a prophecy, just as the Old Testament prophets could be saying all kinds of things without them really understanding what were the implications. So here he is speaking something that is pro prophetic, and the Bible confirms that this is actually prophetic, right? So even the things that are recorded in the scripture from these individuals who are prophesying without even knowing they're prophesying, this is also part of this um, inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Sorry, just two more slides. The Lord Jesus Christ believed in the verbal inspiration also of the Old Testament. It says, For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. What is the jot and the tittle? The jot is like the smallest of the letters in the Hebrew language, and the tittle is like one of the strokes of a letter, like part of a letter. Okay, so, he's, so what Christ is saying, everything about the Old Testament it will be fulfilled. Every single prophecy, even down to the smallest letter, will be fulfilled, right? Which is an indication that the text itself, everything about that text, everything that was written down was inspired by the Holy Spirit and would be fulfilled. Finally, each word was important and prophetic. In Revelations 22:19, if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. This is why, actually, like we read the entire book of Revelation on Apocalypse night after Good Friday, where we stay all night in the church on Bright Saturday. This is why, because this is written here about the book of Revelation, that if anyone makes any mistake while they are reading the book of Revelation, even though we are so sleepy, um, we, we try to correct them. Because it's saying here, the, anyone who takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, right? anyone who alters this prophecy in any way, anyone who does not deliver the prophecy exactly as it was written, God will take away from him the, being his name being in the book of life. right? So every word is important. Every word right, of the scripture is important. It's not just something that you can just like, gloss over. God intended for it to be delivered a certain way, and this is why we, 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 we read it um, in, in that way. Any questions before we conclude? I don't know, Luigi. <laughs> I can pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, O Lord, for this day. We ask for your blessing, and we ask, O Lord, that you help us to understand the importance of the Scripture and how it is a revelation from you to us. Teach us, O Lord, to read it with understanding and to apply it, O Lord, in our lives in the best way and to always be faithful to it and to everything, O Lord, that you command us to do. Through the prayers of St. Mary, Archangel Michael, St. Paul, St. Mark, and all your saints, hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The love of God the Father, the grace of the only begotten Son, our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ, the communion, the gift of the Holy Spirit, be with you all. Go in peace, the peace of the Lord be with you all. Amen.